morning. Would you pray with me, please? Uh, Father, you are great. Uh, Father, you are awesome. We welcome you here this morning, Father. And we just pray now, Father, that this time would be used to, to really um, reveal that uh, this morning, that uh, your word would become real this morning, Father, and that it would, um, that it would, it would uh, provide encouragement and comfort and refreshment folks, to the folks that hear it, Father. It's in your son's name that we ask these things. Amen. I am Greg Fuller, and uh, in the interest of full disclosure, that, that prayer was for me, because um, I need it. Um, uh, I'll put a little thrill in your morning here. This is the first time I've spoken at CIV, and, um, and what you might be wondering right now is, uh-oh, um, uh, right now I'm thankful my mic is working, and, uh, and that I'm going to just do my best to come up here and really... Um, um, have an opportunity um, to share what God has done in my life, what he's been faithful to do over the last 14 and 15 years of my life. Um, if, um, if we're done in 10 minutes, you'll know I have blitzed, and uh, Shane and the band are going to have to play a lot more songs uh, on the fly. If uh, an hour from now I'm still here talking, you'll know I got in the zone, and... And you're just going to have to bear with me. So there's, there's the thrill for you for your, for your morning. Um, in the program, you'll see a, a blank sheet of paper. <laughs> uh, there you go. Um, that is, uh, that represents, uh, it really doesn't represent the detail that I hope to go into this morning. Um, but it is fairly symbolic of, of what I've endeavored to do over the last 14, 15 years is, is to really empty myself and be someone who could be teachable, who could hear what God was trying to show me and, and the ways that he was trying to show it to me. And what God has been faithful to do over time is to really, he's really been consistent to use people and his word um, to, to really uh, reveal to me the, the better way to go. And I'm going to try to make sense of that journey for you and, and, and where it's led me to right now and, and really what it is that I'm, I'm living for. Um, that may sound a little grandiose, what I'm living for, uh, what I get up in the morning for each morning. Uh, you know, some mornings I just get up because the alarm clock went off. The alarm clock goes off and I'm getting up in the morning. Uh, but there really is um, things that my heart is wrapped around, uh, that God has put on my heart, uh, that I would really like to be a part of and help accomplish. So if I can, I'm going to try to make sense out of this, out of the journey and and, uh, and hopefully share it for you in a way that, um, that really reveals God's faithfulness to do what he's promised. Um, I, was, I was raised in a very close and loving family. Um, three older sisters. Uh, my mom uh, was a homemaker, stayed at home, raised us kids. Uh, my dad uh, tried to raise four kids on Navy pay. Um, always, that I can remember, usually worked two hearts. Uh, two jobs, excuse me. He just worked two jobs. He just really worked hard to provide for my mom and my sisters and myself. And that's the way it was. I remember being very little, uh, first and second grade. And at that time we were living down in San Diego. And um, he'd come home from being on the Navy base all day. And in our garage he would fix TVs for folks. He was, he was a chief petty officer and he studied electronics in the Navy. And so at night he'd come home and, and do a side job fixing TVs, and I'd go hang out in the garage with him. I'm sure being of immense help 
um, you know, of uh, messing up somebody's TV with him. But that's what I remember is, is my dad worked hard and he provided for us and for my sister and, and my mom. Um, uh, by sixth grade, uh, we had moved six times. By the time I hit sixth grade, we had moved six times. Um, being in the Navy, and then when my dad retired from the Navy, got into aerospace, and we were moving a whole bunch. We moved around a whole bunch. Uh, and this was really harder on my sisters. I'm the baby of the family. Um, by five years, I've got three older sisters, and it was really hard on them, moving all the way through junior high and high school. Uh, and I remember that. Um, I was born in a military hospital near Pearl Harbor, and between there and Sixth grade, I lived in Tennessee, Alabama, Florida, Washington, D.C., San Diego. Uh, but by sixth grade, we had landed out here in Downey, California. And um, so for me, that, that part was over. But it was difficult to always you know, being picked up and getting uprooted. But what we always had was each other. Our family, we always had each other. Uh, we didn't have extended family relationships. I have very few recollections or memories of ever hanging out with an aunt, an uncle, cousins, grandparents. Uh, it didn't happen. Um, uh, what we always had really was the six of us. And we'd pick up and move, and there the six of us was again. Uh, for me, it was a little easier because wherever we went, I just would, wherever we landed, I just would go out and start playing sports. I'd go get on a team somewhere and find a football field, a baseball field, a basketball court. And just start playing sports, and, and that's how life worked for me. And, and I'd always enjoyed being a part of a team, and, and playing sports was a, one of the things I really enjoyed. And, and uh, you know, I, I could always fit in like that. Um, I, I remember getting in the car, and we're always moving, and we'd get in the car, and I'd sit in the front seat between my parents. My three sisters are in the back, and at least one of them was always sobbing. One was always crying her way across country. You'd sit there and just all the way across. Some boyfriend that was being left. Um, it was traumatic. It was a lot of drama. I'm sitting up in the front seat and I'm playing with my little army cars and soldiers and stuff, and wondering how long can they cry, and um, not being very sympathetic to the whole thing. Um, but again, that was us. That was the picture. That was our family unit, uh, and we just really hung together. Um, we didn't, there really wasn't a church upbringing. Occasionally, um, uh, we would get to a church um, in, in various cities, but it really wasn't a big part uh, of my upbringing. And it, um, but what I did know was that, that we were raised with a strong sense of right and wrong. We knew what was right. We knew what was wrong. Um, and my mom was home. And, and, boy, we knew we had, we always had that stability, no matter how we were rolling around the country. Um, and, you know, so now, um, kind of fast forward a little bit with me, but uh, um, come to California. Uh, in sixth grade, my first day of sixth grade, I didn't know it at the time, but in the first day of sixth grade, I met my future wife. Vicki was, Vicki Loper was in that classroom. That's, uh, I can look back now, and I know the hand of God was on me then, uh, quite frankly. Uh, but it was um, a very different experience for me coming to California and, and, and growing up and, and pretty much living life the very same way. We weren't moving around a lot anymore, but I'm in California, and I'm, I'm living life the same way. 
Uh, Vicky and I get married, and then um, guess what? I do the same thing in terms of what I put at the center of my life. The core of my life was, was, was Vicky, and then Vicky and the kids. Uh, then my career. That's how things flowed. The very center of what I was living for were, were those things, really. Was, uh, and, and to me, that made sense. That, that made perfect sense. You take care of your family. Your family is what matters. Your family is what's most important. Um, I needed to build a good career so I could take care of my family. And those were all things that I felt were my responsibility. And I relied upon myself and my competence to really take a look at those things and say, this, you know, this is how I'm going to uh, roll forward. And I'm, I'm just rolling my playbook. I'm just working out my plan. Things are going great. Now, Vicki and I got married in 78. Uh, we bought a house in Phillips Ranch in 1980, had our first baby in 1982, second baby in 1984. Catch a little pattern there? 78, 80, 82, 84. That's my little plan is rolling forward. Life is good. Okay, we're having kids. I get a little girl, a little boy. Touchdown. Life, life is great. And, um, and, and my career is growing. Uh, I'm working really hard. Uh, my career is growing uh, by the grace of God. Um, uh, it's um, really a career that almost picked me. I don't know that I really picked it. And what I found now is, as, as we're getting into middle 80s, is, um, 1980s, I should say, is by worldly standards, I'm looking pretty successful is really what was going on. Had the house and the car and things and really a, a great wife, Vicki, staying home and making, making our house. And, and, um, and I just, you know, by, by worldly standards, things were looking pretty good. And... Um, I wasn't feeling good, though. You remember the movie Trading Places, by any chance? Uh, there's a scene at the end of the movie where it's Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd, and they're, and they're talking, and they've gone through this big ordeal together and, and come through it. These two gazillionaire guys really try to take advantage of them and, and crush them, and Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd get revenge and really break these two guys and essentially take all their money. Now they're loading. They're sitting on a beach. At the end of the movie, a beautiful tropical island, Eddie Murphy hollers out to Dan Aykroyd, who's on this big old beautiful sailboat yacht, and says, you know, looking good, Lewis. And, and Aykroyd replies, feeling good, Billy Ray. And that's, that's kind of the worldly picture, looking good, feeling good. And the um, fact of the matter is, is, you know, really wasn't feeling that good on the inside. And things were starting to stir. I didn't know it at the time. I wasn't introspective enough and probably didn't slow down enough. Um, didn't really want to know, probably at that point in my life, what really was going on. Um, but we'd reached a point where um, Vicki had decided it was, it, she was really pushing to get the kids into church. We had moved here to Diamond Bar. Again, uh, by the hand of God and the grace of God, we're, we moved to Diamond Bar. We buy a home up here by Chaparral and, and Maple Hill School. And, land on a very nice street, and, you know, Vicky's goal was we're going to land in a place and raise our kids where they can go through these schools, and this is where we're going to be. And that was a good plan. That made sense to me. I'm pretty good at doing stuff that makes sense to me. And uh, that made sense. That's the way I got brought up, and I thought, boy, this is something I can do. 
Um, my kids can have stability. We're going to stay put and raise our kids. Church was not in my thinking. God was not in my plan. He really wasn't. I was a good guy. I wasn't stealing anybody. I worked hard. I provided for my family. I wasn't out gambling away my paycheck or running around wild. I was a good guy. But God was, was simply not in the picture. But we, this was a point now where, where Vicky did start to push to get the kids in church. And we had tried a couple, and honestly, I just wasn't connecting. And at that point in my life, if I didn't want to do it, I pretty much wasn't going to do it. Bottom line was that had a low probability of happening, uh, that I was going to go do something that didn't make sense to me. And so uh, uh, we had tried a little bit off and on, and it just, and it just wasn't happening. And then one of the things that I can look back now, really one of the keys in my spiritual growth, is one of the things that God has used consistently through time is he puts people around you who can make a difference. Uh, people who are more mature in their faith, who are further down the road, and who are living out his word. And time and time again in my life, in my journey, God has planted people like that in front of me and really given me an opportunity to really just get in their wake and tag along to follow. Um, and again, that makes sense to me. I, I can do those kinds of things. Um, and and th- this is really one of the areas, uh, one of the ways that God has really used for me to connect to what to to His way and His will. And um, and what He did for me was he, he used a guy I met through Little League. Uh, my son at that point was, uh, I guess it was nine or ten. When, we, when I first met Randy Lanthrop, but we met through the Little League field. Uh, his son, Thad's a year younger than my son. They're playing baseball. Um, got to know Cindy, their daughter, Lindsay, little Lindsay. When I saw her, I thought she was the cutest, sweetest thing other than my daughters that I'd ever seen. Um, and I looked at this family and said, this is, this is nice people. And it was a lot of fun getting to know them. And... Um, over time, what happened was is there was just something different about Randy. Um, and I don't mean odd, different. Um, I really don't. Um, but, but really different. The difference was, was that God used to get my attention was his relationships, how he related to his wife, to his, to his kids, to his parents. Uh, Nanny and granddad were always at the ball games. And, and God used all that opportunity for me to have a chance to see a guy who was really relating differently. And this was interesting to me because, you know, flashback for me, I was living for my wife and kids. That was what was at the center. And here's a guy who was really doing it different, but yet had sweeter relationships with his wife and kids. And, and, I, and I wondered, well, why is that? What is going on there? Because um, there was always a kindness, as I saw him relate, and a, and, and a real sense of patience, which was at a premium with me. Um, and just a real, genuine, sincere effort to relate to them differently and really to put their interests first. To put, um, even when inconvenient for him, to just really put their interests ahead of his own. Uh, self-sacrifice. And... Um, this, this really became my first pressure point. Um, God uses pressure points and struggles in our life to grow us. 
Um, and this really became a first pressure point where I just really started feeling selfish in my, in my relationships. I started feeling selfish about myself in my relationships um, and how I was relating to people. And, and I realized that really all those relationships were mostly about me, about, you know, I and, and what I wanted. And what God ended up revealing to me was is that what Randy was really living out was the first heart attitude. If you've been around CIV any length of time, what you will hear about and what you will experience are the heart attitudes. These are the things that, that, that really are at the core of how we relate to each other in this ministry and how we relate to the ministry itself. And the key verse for this is, is Philippians 2, 3, and 4, um, which is do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And what was happening for me was that wasn't, here was a, 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 a guy living that out, and I got to experience firsthand. I got to see it and smell it and touch it, what God was doing in his life that was really making his life better, as he was faithful to do what God had said. And I can make sense out of that now in that fashion. At the time, I was, I was in a very big sorting process getting all the way through this stuff. But this process is very consistent with how God has used other pressure points in my life. Um, where people have come around that are modeling a different way, something that I'm struggling with, and I am just bright enough to look at somebody and say, wow, I, I should do that too. I, I can be smart enough to do that. Um, and actually, at that point, I don't know how long it was, frankly, um, that I knew Randy before uh, I found out he was a pastor. Um, it was a while. I don't, I don't know how long, but I um, found out that he was a pastor. So, you know, I go through the usual uh, emotions and things at that point. First, you hit the rewind button and say, oh, my gosh, what have I said in front of this guy? Okay. Randy's way used to this. Yeah, believe me. Uh, but I'm hitting the old rewind button and saying, well, what, you know, how stupid have I looked and, and what else have I done? Um, and, uh, you know, that's the first thing. Then you get over that. And then, then, then I remember cycling through things like, oh, well, it's his job to do this stuff. Okay, that makes sense. And he's got time. He's only working one day a week. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I'm a... I'm not the brightest bulb on the tree, but those are really some pretty simplistic thoughts. And that, I remember cycling through those, those things and thinking, wow, okay. And, and so I take, honestly, maybe a little step back, and I'm watching. And when really what became real to me is that's, that just wasn't the deal at all. Uh, this was an authentic man who was committed to living out his faith in, in, in all these practical ways in, in life. And... Um, that was really appealing. So we just started attending CIV. And dang, guess what we saw at CIV? A bunch of other people, not perfect people, but a bunch of other people committed to doing the same thing. Living out life the same way. How they related to each other. Um, what was at the center of their life. These are all people who loved their families. Believe me. But it, that's not what was at the center. It wasn't what they were living for. Uh, what they were serious about and what was at the center was God and taking God's word serious and taking God's plan and God's will for their life serious. And you, when you start getting around that, 
and you start experiencing it in full and living color more regularly, it made a significant, a significant change in me. People accepted me right where I was at, no pressure, no external pressure. God was putting plenty of internal pressure on me. Um, and what I, what I know now was that's, that's that through the Holy Spirit, God was taking up residence in my heart and really creating these changes, creating the feeling in me, the need in me that I really wanted to relate differently. And he was using something he knew was important to me, my wife and my kids, and giving me a different picture of how really to love them and put them at the center of things. So we're hanging around CIV, and it just really, for me, it just became a function of I wanted what they had. That's pretty selfish, maybe. Uh, I just wanted what they had. And over time, uh, I committed my life to Christ. Uh, for me, I didn't have the big bang moment. I, don't, I can't tell you the time. It said, oh, that's when I committed my life to Christ. For me, it was a process of, of really handing over um, uh, my life uh, to God and making Christ just um, the boss of my life. And um, I was about 39 years old, 38, 39 years old when that happened. Um, as Randy said, it's around 14, darn, almost 15 years ago now. And what I'd love to say that uh, my life got easier at that point. It didn't. Life got better, got way better. It did not get easier. Um, it's not God's plan for us to make life easy. He is way more concerned about our character than our convenience. And what happened for me at that point was this, this, this tremendous learning curve of, as I kept going through things and, and realizing, I thought, oh, God, I'm a Christian now. I thought I'd get this, like, honeymoon thing. And, and, you know, I'm just, everything flows like it's supposed to. Every day is good. Well, that, that isn't really life. You know, real life happens every day, and the good days are grace. The good days are really grace from God. And, and life certainly got, got better, but it did not get easier. And for me, the path... Uh, after having people put around me that God really used to make a difference and set the example for me in life, the, the, the migration for me was really taking initiative to get into God's Word and, and start looking at it and, and discovering and finding out for myself. Um, sec- we have 2 Timothy 3:16 here for you. And it, it, this was a very important verse for me early on. Um, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, Correcting and training in righteousness. Look at those four key points. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. Two of those four are painful. They're not so good, huh? Rebuking and correcting can be really difficult. Uh, matter of fact, they are difficult. Um, requires a lot of humility. Really requires an interest in, in um, being humbled before God and saying, okay, I need to take that and use it. And at this point in my journey, this, this is really an important verse for, for me to realize that, that that's, that's what I need and that's what I can get out of Scripture. And I just love the notion that all Scripture is God-breathed. I, I, I love that. I just love that, that notion. All Scripture is God-breathed. If it's in the Bible, God has, God has breathed it. And, and that, that just really had a big impact for me at that, at that point, certainly in, in my journey. 
So additional pressure points came right away. Right away, additional pressure points. I had more to work on than than, uh, than I really could could manage, and and uh, and God knew just how to keep His thumb on me. Um, you know, Scripture also promises us that God will never give us more than we can bear. And it was just time to bear up and deal with um, looking at a lot of things that I had done over the first thirty eight years of my life, and uh, that really presented a lot of pressure points. And um, one of the things that really uh, advanced my notion of how to not only hear Scripture, but you know, to, to apply it and move forward with it, again, God used really the, the example of my wife and my kids and, and my heart for them um, to, to put another verse on my heart. Uh, I call this my Janet story. Um, very early in our time coming to CIV, Janet Pavero, who heads um, our children's ministry here, the Pathfinders ministry, we were at a meeting and if you know Janet at all, you know she just has a tremendous heart for God's word and for, for really sharing it with kids, for getting it into their lives. And um, at this meeting we were at, Janet was talking um, about parenting. We had gone to, to hear some things, and, and she quoted Deuteronomy 5.29. Um, at that point in my walk, um, I didn't know Deuteronomy from astronomy. I, I really didn't. Um, it's, it's one of the early books in the Old Testament, but the, the, the deal is is that, um, again, God used a particular scripture to just really, really pierce me. I, I remember hearing it when she said it. The first time I remember hearing it was Janet saying it, and um, it, just, it, just, it just like shot me right through the heart. It says, oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children forever. And this really was my first notion of something with an eternal aspect, that it might go well with them and their children forever. And, it, and for me, it also carries the notion, it does carry the notion of, you know, we, we visit our sins on our kids and on future generations. And this, this verse just got really powerful for me. And you, as you can imagine, for a guy who lived the first 38 years of his life or so, putting, putting the kids at the center, that, um, you know, this was, this was a stunning realization on my part. Uh, I'm just pragmatic enough to realize that I can't unring the bell. I could not relive my 38 years. But what I could do from there forward is put one foot in front of the other, heading in the direction God said, as it, as it related to my, my wife and my kids again. Um, I could do that. I can't go back and erase anything. I can't. There's no life rewind button. But I can be responsible for how I'm going to go forward from that moment forward. And um, that, that scripture really set uh, a, really a process in mind for me of, of how I was going to, to go forward uh, in life and, and really learn from God's word and study it and, and apply it. Um, when you get around godly people, when you come around a community of believers who are all rowing the boat in the same direction, this is what God uses to keep reinforcing his word for us. So for me, let me make, try to make this specific. For me and my parenting and my relationship there, I tried to move... I had to move from a, a command and a control 
type environment, that was, that's my native wiring, command and control. That's how I want to operate. And, and what I really wanted to do was shift to, to where I was addressing perspectives and values for my kids, not their behavior, addressing the perspective and values that would help them set godly convictions in themselves so that they would have the opportunity, um, if we did our job to instill God's perspective in them, to, to really help shape their perspective and values, not their behavior, shape their perspective and values, and it would really allow them to live out of their own set of convictions about what God has in store for them, that it might go well with them right out of Deuteronomy 5.20, that it might go well with them. And that just made a lot of sense for me. And um, uh, another key factor in my spiritual growth was really resulted from deciding how serious I wanted to try to take that and live it out was, you know, how, how do you really apply Scripture? God has used this uh, consistently in my walk is, okay, you, you've heard something, now what? What's going to happen at the point we've heard it and it's made sense to you? Um, Ezra 7.10 lays out a picture of this, and I'm going to shorten it up. But what Ezra 7.10 really talks about is study, some, study God's word, observance of his word, and by that really do. Study, do, and then teach it. As a matter of fact, in the verse before Ezra 7.10, uh, it says that, that God's gracious hand was on Ezra because of his study and observance and teaching of the law to the people of Israel. And Ezra 7.10 really became my short and sweet template for it. This is how I'm going to apply scripture. I'm going to study it. I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to try to teach it. By teach it, it's live it out. And by the way, every bit of this is consistent with what I've experienced. From the time I met Randy, to start hanging around CIV, committing my life to Christ, is... That, that's really how it was all working. I just didn't have the framework to put to it. And so the framework was really helpful, again, for me, and certainly for, uh, for my pragmatic sense and, and, and way as that I, I wanted to do things. Um, so um, I, I'm really thankful for the notion that the Scripture provides in terms of really laying out for us the practical ways to achieve these things. Okay? Um, a practical example of that was we just treated Sunday mornings different. They became a high value, where that used to be my day off, and, and it was, um, you know, if there's a big game that was on or if I had a business trip, well, I just wasn't available on Sundays. There's a huge shift I wanted to take to set a different perspective and value about that for my kids, and that's what we engaged in. I rearranged business travel anywhere I could, so I'm available for Sundays. We didn't miss Sundays, not because there was pressure to attend, but because I knew it was going to be valuable in getting them around other kids, children of godly parents who are trying to accomplish the same thing. So there was a distinct shift in our, in our priorities and values about getting around on Sunday mornings. And really that's, that's kind of the template that God has used in my life constantly to help, my, to help grow my faith and to mature me in the walk. And it's landed me to this spot right here right now, which is, is you know, what really floats my boat now. And what floats my boat right now is being a part of this team. Rifle back for me, and early on, I told you, I'm a team guy. I love teams. I love getting on teams and doing stuff. And what God has revealed to me is, is that 
I can be a part of this team that is really accomplishing things that have eternal importance, that have the eternal perspective and, and ocean attached to them, not the stuff that's temporal, that's here, that's right now, uh, not the things, not the cars and the houses, the stuff that really matters. And that's what he's put on my heart. And I, uh, it's what I'm certainly striving for, is to really use my time and my talents uh, and my resources, my money, um, to be a part of helping CIV accomplish its mission, which is to know, love, and glorify God and be used by him to help all people to know Jesus Christ and become fully devoted followers of him. You know, and they say if you look at somebody's calendar and if you look at their checkbook, it reveals their values and it reveals their priorities. And what I pray is that I will, if you look at my calendar and my checkbook, that you see the priority, kingdom priorities reflected about really being a part of helping CIV accomplish the mission. God can do this work without me. Um, he can't. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need me or my time or my money to get his work done. But we are called in Scripture for each part to do its part. And that's really on my heart. Uh, to, to serve where asked, to help set the pace for others to serve, and, and to really help engage their hearts, not just their minds, in the mission that we are we're trying to accomplish here at CIV. Um, um, Titus 1, 8 and 9 talks about some of the uh, qualities of the elders in the church, hospitable, uh, good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. This verse has been really important for me in terms of trying to set uh, myself to where I'm headed um, uh, in helping us accomplish the mission. Um, those, are, those are really good qualities to be known by. And I claim no victory. What I do claim is a, a real intention and effort um, to help live that out and be attractive to others as, as CIV attempts to go forward and accomplish our mission. I, I uh, hope this has made some sense to you. Um, um, I really pray that, that what I've done is share w- w- just what God has done, not what I have done, as I have really just tried to be faithful to, uh, to get his word, apply his word, do his word, and, and, and help others feel and see, and see the same thing. Join me in prayer, please. Father, we thank you. Um, we just thank you for who you are, Father. We thank you that you are always you, Father. And we just thank you that you're always available for us. Your word is always there. You are, you are our lifeline, Father, to the things that matter in this world and in this time. And uh, we thank you for that. We thank you for the fact that um, um, we, can, we can be in a community of believers and, and, and people who are, are here to encourage and refresh us and and help shape us uh, as we go down the road as well, Father. Uh, we thank you for that. And we pray that this time is really reflected, uh, uh, Father, the, the honor of you and the glory and the majesty of you. It's in your son's name that we pray these things. Amen.